Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me today is The Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barn Burner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. This episode of Feet is also brought to you by Beach House Soaps. No matter where you live, bring a little bit of the beach to your home with Beach House's all-natural soaps. Find them at beachhousesoaps.com. I actually picked up uh, some hand soap the other day from Beach House. Good stuff. I think it's rose-flavored or rosé. I'm actually not necessarily sure how to pronounce it. If it's rose or rosé, but good soaps. Go buy it. Uh, your college hooper of the week is Ben Lammers, former big man for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. I have no idea why I picked Ben Lammers. No idea why I picked Georgia Tech. They were an innocuous nine seed, lost in the first round. They're not relevant whatsoever. This, this is how it's going to be, folks, for the rest of this episode, because the Shark and myself are having rough, rough day, uh, a rough day today. So, yeah, Ben Lammers, there you go. Do with that what you will. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at SuB232 to find out where the feet is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. So last week I started the show with a Cameron reference from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I'm going to do that again, going back to the well here. Except this time it's when Cameron was laying in bed. Terrible. Looked awful. Pale. He was sick. Legitimately sick. That's honestly how I felt today. I could have used a nap. Just serotonin levels were incredibly low. I was just depressed. I was sad. Shark, I'm assuming you felt the exact same way. Yeah, I did. I mean, this, it's like magnified this year, right? Because normally you're you're going Thursday to Sunday, and then it's like you can rip the Band-Aid off on the Monday, and by Tuesday you're kind of back in the rat race. Uh, this year, I hated Friday to Monday. Um it was a rough weekend for me personally. The balls went down pretty hard. My, 
could be a lot worse. I trust me, Father. I've had a lot worse March Madness opening weekends. I mean, I remember looking going way back. I'm pretty sure I cried when Hollis Price lost, but it wasn't the opening weekend when he lost to Indiana in the Final Four. I mean, I was probably like 12 years old, should have been crying then. I've really matured over the years in terms of how I take my losses, but I'd still have a notes app in my in my phone regarding worst losses of my life. Ryan Klein came into that one for me on the Sweet 16 weekend a few years ago. Um, I, I had a brutal one in the finals, North Carolina, Villanova in 16. I was, I was out in the field in the Marine Corps, out in the field. If Carolina wins, I win the bracket. I go out into the field. You don't have your phone. It's Monday. Monday comes by. I'm I'm thinking like I'm gonna walk back. I'm gonna take this title. Then this one instructor comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, you want to know who won the Carolina Villanova game?" I'm like, "Not really." He goes, "Villanova won on a buzzer beater." Like, are you fucking kidding me? Why'd you just tell me that? Just ruined my whole experience. And I'm at this point, I'm not surrounded in like shelter or anything. I'm out in the woods. (laughs) I'm doing. I, I got nowhere to go. So that's a bad loss. I've had bad losses. I think it's only exponentially made worse right now because. You know, it's a Tuesday. Um, it was a long, long weekend. We took a year off, so we all went pretty hard. But, hey, what are you going to do? I think that's where I'm falling. I actually had an all right eh, – could have been better, but you're right. Could have been worse. I'm not attributing how shitty I'm feeling today based on my losses. Uh, we'll get into Illinois in a little bit and Kansas, whatever. But those two I had in my final four. But what I'm really attributing it to is that last point you made about taking the year off and then going hard. I was in the cups for four straight days. My body's just deteriorating. Sludge. It's it's disgusting. Uh, and I woke up today and I was just uh, I was I was disgusted with myself. Disgusted with some teams, but more so myself. And I just I, I didn't have the energy and then you just obviously couple that with withdrawals. I mean, you go from games every hour to just absolutely nothing. It's obviously that's what that's what happens every single year. And then of course the schedule. It was just a terrible day today. And you know what's ironic about it, Shark? Because this is probably the worst we've ever felt recording this show. You know what the the ironic part is? Let me tell you. This is actually our centennial episode. This is our hundredth episode. This is a milestone. And here we are licking our wounds. You gotta admit that's pretty that's pretty well timed. Right there. You know, we go and I think you hit the nail on the head too regarding why why we're so down at the dumps. It's you take you take our drug away from us. We sit out for more than a year and then you give it back to us in such a heavy dose where you got a Friday, Saturday first round matchup. It's like, good lord, send me to a rehab facility for about a month at this point, because I'm struggling. All right. You can't dump that much on. I wish we did it more piecemeal. I I I, I'm, I already know it's Tuesday night when we're doing this show. There's literally nothing to watch tonight. So I'm probably going to watch an episode of Lost. And I swear to God, I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night and I'm going to have, you know, Carter Blackburn or Spiro D-Days or um, Brian Anderson, who all three of those guys, they literally sound the exact same, yelling out some three by Buddy Beheim, giving me the shivers. And I'm going to be shaking in my bed because I, I took a lot of Buddy Beheim threes over the weekend as a West Virginia Final Four guy. But you're right. That's what it was. It was giving us too much at once. I wish we spaced it out a little bit better because my body wasn't ready for that. And more so my mind. I feel fine. Uh, but my mind, I have nothing to look forward to. I keep thinking in my head, shit, I got to wait another year for the first weekend again. I, I'm not ready for that. That's a long time. I don't want to watch the Red Sox just yet. Yeah, a very bad Red Sox team, too. I, I will say just I'm not ashamed to admit it. I, I dove in too quickly. You know, when you're just a kid and you rip open a tub of ice cream, 
and you just go head first into that tub of ice cream. And within five seconds, you're, you got brain freeze. That's what we're experiencing right now. That's Today pretty good. was an entire day, an entire day of college basketball brain freeze as a result of what we did the past four days. Now, I wouldn't change anything for the world because I know every single time that the day after the first weekend is miserable. It's up there. I mean, a lot of people sometimes will have these debates. What's the worst day of the year? Is it the first day back to work after holiday break? Uh, is it the I think Memorial Day weekend, right? Maybe even Labor Day weekend, whatever you want to say. First day after the tournament is in the running, if not the worst. Yeah, specifically the first weekend of the tournament, too, because I some people care a lot about the brackets, but you, you really can't capture sports fandom better than those first four days of the tournament. And it's so much better on Thursday, Sunday. I mean, I, I forget. This is what I was thinking to go back to your point about, you know, diving into the ice cream too much. I kind of paced myself a little bit. I had, cause I knew that this was going to be rough. You know, you have an opportunity to overindulge. I'm just thinking back to early Friday. I'm, I'm basically just skipping over to Georgetown. I'm on top of the world, light feet, you know, playing a little tune in the background. Like there's an anthem going back behind me, like whatever you want to, whatever you want to picture. I'm watching the early games, great games. Uh, I know Tennessee's at 430. I'm like, all right, Mark, take it easy. Just enjoy what's going on. And then you just score 18 points in one half. And it's like, bury me at wounded knee. You know, I'm hurting already right then and there. I was silent. I turned into a mute. I wasn't saying anything with the people I was with. I basically told everyone I wanted to go home, leave me alone. And then they just followed me home. So I was kind of just stuck with those people for the rest of the day. Uh, that, that was hurtful. If they're listening to their show, just let you know, I wasn't appreciative of that. And, but that's, I, I really do feel the exact same way that you're putting out there right now, because you go from so much hope just to so little. And then it's always bad. The first day after the tournament weekend, everybody knows that, um, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know it's coming. And and I remember specifically saying to myself Thursday morning, I was like, after a year, we are back. Like, cherish this. I've been saying that. And I knew like future self is going to be disgusted with you. Future, I mean, this is it's like the, over the course of four days, you just got chewed up and spit out. And and that's where we're right now. We're just a, a big ball of spit. Well, I I I I said this on Thursday. I mean, or on Friday, whenever it was probably Friday, a ridic- Friday. Yeah. Probably a ridiculous thing to say in hindsight, but I said that the, this moment right here, right before it all tips off on Friday, that's what the gods were talking about. No matter who your God was or who your God is, that's what they were talking about when they created life was the energy going into a tournament. And, you know, here we are on the other side of that right now, what goes up must come down. I believe that was Sir Isaac Newton. Um, okay. Not a God, not a God, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going into a lot of higher beings right here. I, Isaac Newton, not, not withstanding. Let's go ahead and dive into some of these games though, because they did add a little bit of insult to injury, especially for us and our picks. Let's talk first though, about the pack 12. I mean, I'm getting, I, honestly, I, I'm getting sick and tired of you. Like Rob Lowe and over here with the pack 12, with the logo on your hat, or gets the credit for that one. But I mean, it's why do you root for success within your conference? I personally think that's the lowest form of fandom. I would never want Alabama to win. I would never want Arkansas to win. Uh, I don't even mind Arkansas, but it's just, I don't, I don't root for that. I think that's cheap fan. So it's because you got to be a part of the PAC 12, first of all, to really appreciate that because nobody gives them their respect. 
they all everyone makes jokes that you guys make jokes about all oh, brunch soft all that stuff and you know That's right here they're, they're they're nine and one they're not oh, just Arizona it's not limited it's it's not extended to California uh, Utah no. Colorado maybe, on Oregon yeah well they're nine and one right now okay and let me tell you something I don't think it's a coincidence that once we kicked Larry Scott's ass to the curb that the dominance started. They are nine and one with the lone loss coming to Florida State, and Colorado played them pretty tough, I thought. Uh, but the lone loss, and they're just going through these teams like a like a buzzsaw. USC destroyed Kansas, UCLA in the Sweet Sixteen after being in the play-in game, Oregon destroying Iowa, which one of the few picks that I actually got right. Oregon State somehow they find themselves in the Sweet Sixteen at the expense of you. I know, I'm sorry, but. I think they deserve their shine right now because they're also beating teams from conferences that were deemed better than them. A lot of people thought the Big 12 was better. A lot of people thought the Big 10 was better. And I mean, I think the Big 10's getting a little bit exposed here. But be remiss so if we didn't. was the Big 12. A little bit, yeah. But I'd be remiss if, if we didn't talk about the Pac-12 because it's not like they're just a couple games over 500. Nine and one, baby. Yeah, and I, I just don't know why you t- – you find within yourself a source of pride in that. I mean, you I got nothing else. Not your, okay. I got nothing else. This isn't, this shouldn't even be considered something else. Like you root for a team that plays the, those teams. So all of a sudden you get that by extension. Are you kidding me? It's the That's stupidest thing. I, I, I agree that they're more, having a good tournament, but yeah, I just don't know what you're celebrating. Okay. So you want more notice for your, for your conference. I don't think that's red, a difficult concept to understand. Uh, and I will say though, I will say I would never root for ASU. Okay. That's the one team, notwithstanding everyone else. I don't really have beef UCLA. It, I've long stated that if the PAC 12 wants to get back to national relevance, both UCLA and Arizona need to be great. They're the two cornerstones of the conference. So it's well, nice to see UCLA doing, doing is that well. even and true? yeah, you can, you can add Oregon. I mean, it's good that Oregon's really, really great, but historically speaking, two programs that carry the conference and UCLA more so than Arizona, but it's the Bruins. And so it's nice to see them doing well after those mediocre Alford years. Yeah. But I, I think if anything, the pride of your conference is not either of those teams. It's Oregon. Yeah. Okay. You could make that case right now. Past I mean, 10, 15 years. Uh, I'd make yeah, that past, case. Past 10, not right now. It's a decade or so, you know, move on sure. with the times. Yeah. You, I, I put you up there as well because you had a few good runs to the elite eight, but it's, I mean, I, I just don't – I can't uh, – I'm not sure I'll ever be able to wrap my head around you rooting for everyone in your conference to do well as well, but I, I, th- I think we can agree to disagree on that point. Yes, they do look good. The teams that are playing in the Pac-12, they look great. Uh, it's kind of ironic that Colorado fell out when they, they were probably the best team in the Pac-12. I feel bad for him. McKinley Wright, poor guy, had a tough one against Florida State. That's not how you want to see it go out. Um, but when you look at one of the Pac-12 teams is going to go down, you're going to get USC and Oregon uh, playing in the Sweet 16. That's, that should be a great game. They only faced each other once this year. UCLA, kind of a cookie-cutter run so far. Got by Michigan State with a great second half. And then BYU, Marron, that was not, not a very good performance. And then you get Abilene Christian, who is literally the worst team I've ever seen in my life. Texas should be absolutely <laughs> – like, I can't believe Texas. Texas is sitting at home. They scored 52 points. Are you kidding me? Staying on these topics. But, I mean, it's not like these we're, we're looking at world beaters here. I mean, Oregon State, Tennessee, 18 points. I mean, what do you want me to do right there? 18 points. They missed every single shot that was presented to them. They, then they went around and they beat Cade Cunningham. Um, uh, again, Roman Silva's 
just a phenomenal big man. I don't know. You can't stop that guy. But I was going to ask I, you, is he the greatest big you've ever run up against? Is this I, Oregon State I, I, team? I, just don't, I don't know how you stop him. Silva or Klein? Silva or Klein? No one will ever top Klein. I don't know. I, I don't know how you, you you felt like you were having a bad day rooting against rooting for Illinois and rooting for, you know, Mac McClung breaking free throws and missing layups at the end of the game. Why don't you take seven, three balls to your face from Ryan Klein in a packed yum center and then come talk to me. All right. I'm still oh, feeling I, that. I, that, was, that was four years ago. Yeah. I essentially did that with Sam Decker. So that, that was, that was pretty he's much a, the same. He's an all American though. I'm talking Ryan Klein. He's probably crunching numbers at TD Ameritrade right now. <laughs> I can't get, I, I'm sorry, I can't get over this Oregon State thing because while you say, yeah, ACU's Evelyn Christian might be the worst team in the tournament, they, they were oh, they, they all. <laughs> Did you see that against UCLA? Oh my goodness. I gave I mean, up like was, an 18 to nothing run, I think it was. I Everything that Shaka Smart did, we're kind of going off the rails early 15 minutes. Into <laughs> this, sorry, sorry, we got a laugh about Texas. We're, That's yeah. so bad. Everything Shaka did to earn his keep right back, it's just like he, everything just got re, the old VHSs when you just re- record over something. That's literally what just happened with that game. You know, you had a great performance that you filmed on your on your uh, your freaking tape recorder. Boom, wiped out by that performance. Embarrassing. You watch <laughs> the game sorry. against UCLA, like uh, Jacquez is able just to like to stand on his feet and rebound over those little guys. What was Jericho Sims doing all game? Like you were. <laughs> It's incredible. I'm, like I, I feel like I have. I think I'm just delirious right now. I'm like I think I have so much delirium right now that I can't stop laughing about Texas and just Shaka's year. Right, the I tweeted before the season. I was like, look, Shaka Smart and Archie Miller both on the hot seat. What happens with them? And then they just went the complete opposite direction during the regular season. Shaka three seed, great Texas team. A lot of people had them in the final four. I mean, this was a very trendy pick uh, for a lot of analysts, a lot of pundits, whatever. Archie does the finishes the season, then gets fired. I'm hearing rumblings that this might be a fireable offense for Shaka Smart. And, and that game was just an absolute atrocity. I cannot believe that. I'm telling you, I got the giggles right now still. I don't know if I'll ever be able to get it out of my head. because And Shaka Smart's whole career, as a matter of fact, could be the tape recorder. It could be the videotape, the VHS. He goes to a Final Four with, with VCU. He does what I would recommend a lot of good, good young coaches do, and that's jump at a big-time opportunity. That's what he did with Texas. I think people forget that Shaka Smart went to a Final Four. I think people forget that he turned around and and created that VCU program as we know them today, all because he hasn't won or broken through at all at Texas. I mean, it's it's crazy his career. Yeah, I'm not sure if they watched that game, but that's you know you ever have like cringe moments when you're looking back on a memory or something of yourself and you're just cringing at what you did. I mean. I, Taylor probably does that when he listens back to a few of his takes on the show frequently. But if they were to watch that game, they're probably just cringing the whole time. I mean, because when you look at Abilene Christian, they've, they've only really been a program for less than 10 years. They have no talent at all. They play really hard defense, but good Lord. Ugh. Let me tell you what that cringe factor is and equate it to what we usually go through. You know, a lot of people have time hop, whatever it is, these apps that show you, oh, on 10 years ago today, this was your Facebook status. They're looking at that Facebook status right now. And 
that's that's what it was. It's a ten year old Facebook status when you think you're some cool cat quoting a rap lyric or something like that. Uh, that's what it was. That's good. I like that poll right there. What are Thank we talking you. about? The Pac-12. Yeah, we How can we d- dive back real quick. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, oh, because it was UCLA, ACU, Texas. Um, but I mean, but, but but the point that I was going to make about ACU being terrible and relating it to the Pac-12, Oregon State's terrible. They're a bad team, and now they're just they're abs- I mean, they're they're red hot, but they're just they have no business. Like, and this is what every- I hate. This is what I hate when people are like, "Oh, you didn't think that this bubble team should be in? Well, they're in the Sweet 16 now." I- I'm here to tell you right now, Oregon State still shouldn't be in. I don't know how the hell they beat you guys and then uh, just embarrassed the best freshman in the country in Kate Cunningham. Well, they beat us because Viscovi and B.J. Butler couldn't hit a shot and Eve Ponds never got off the bus. A few other reasons as well. Our freshman underachieved all year. We'll be back, though. Um, but, I, I mean, I actually kind of like their team. They got a big guy in Silva. Thompson's a senior guard that can create his own shot. Al Tiche is a bouncy player that makes – big buckets as well and then you got the you got the Reichel um and you got the uh, Carew as well like could does that Carew's a perfect tournament guy you know he averages like five points all year and then he comes in he's like the best player in the in the world um so they have all the pieces I think Loyola could be a tough matchup for him because Loyola is very as disciplined as they are uh but Tinkle's a great coach so you got to give Oregon State a little bit of credit there um but yeah I do give a lot of credit to Tinkle yes and then you look at the other ones. I mean, USC just pounded the shit out of Kansas last night. Uh, Kansas just could not hit a shot, and then USC could hit every shot. I, I know you've been on USC all year, but there's no way they've shot that great throughout the season. I'm sure Isaiah Mobley is not hitting through four threes in the first half. Uh, it just doesn't happen. But once you get rolling and you have a great defense defense around the rim, like what you have with the, the Mobleys, it reminds me of the Lopez brothers on Stanford a long time ago. Um, it's tough to beat. And then you look at Oregon. Um, I mean, if you want to talk about that game right now in Iowa, I, I feel for Luca Garza, who, and this is kind of a, like Garza's awesome. He, he gets his points, he gets his buckets and all that. But I mean, how the hell are you that out of shape? Like, same question for uh, Evan Batty. You played a full season of college basketball, it looked like he gained 20 pounds. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. I mean, Garza, like, he, oh, he's still effective, though. He, had he, is, he was the only one playing. I, I'm not, I, we, I'm not denying he's effective. You can't okay. cover anyone. Yeah, you can't, literally can't cover anyone. That's why Oregon was getting wide open shots left and right, because Garza is just like plodding out to the three-point line, and Oregon, <laughs> Oregon's able to do anything they want. And it didn't help that Oregon couldn't miss a shot either, but I'm sure LJ Figueroa was licking his chops to steal a line from Todd Furman against uh, Eric Musselman. I'm all over the map right now in terms of brackets. All right. I'm, I'm going from one region to the next one. I'm, We're I'm delirious right now. Yeah. We are. But, um, I mean, Garza it couldn't guard me. I get If I was feeling it, I'd, I'd get out there and knock down a few threes. And then, sure enough, you got, you got Duarte, you got Richardson, you got athletes on that team. I mean, Oregon's good. What a weird take on Garza. We go from, oh, that was really sad, to bashing the only guy that got off the bus for Iowa. Garza, they no, scored. Dude, dude, give me some cover from Bohannon. What are you doing? Oh, hang on, hang on. Let's go to Bohannon. Let's prioritize things here. Okay. <laughs> Zero points. Zero <laughs> points after, after tweeting, after he tweeted, uh, can can any of you guys give me a tip on how to or give this any tips on it, uh, packing for 29 days asking for a friend? 
nice tweet, idiot. And then after, what did he do in, in Ames, right? He left his shoes in the gym or yeah. something like that. Zero points. If I'm Luca Garza, I'm fighting him. Uh, Joe Wieskamp was the only one that actually showed any sort of support. And then he tweaked his ankle, I think, the last 10 minutes of the game. But, I mean, Jordan Bohannon, that guy. That, that, that guy's going to have a tough time showing his face in Iowa City. You got to feel bad for him. Like, I don't want to. Like, I do. Right. You, you got to feel bad for the guy. But nobody could possibly think. And I, I do. I mean, he's a senior. He got hurt. So he wasn't as effective as he was early on. And even Garza. Like, Garza was playing hurt as well. And he, the first half, like, he was controlling the game entirely. But it seemed like Oregon was just letting him do that. And then Oregon just wanted to get out in transition. But Bohannon, I mean. Nobody thinks he's J.J. Redick and is more of a Tom Coverdale than, than Bohannon right there. Like, that was a horrible performance. And it wasn't just not taking shots. It was the flagrant that turned around the game entirely. He leaves the game and then just kind of moping. I mean, you, you would expect a little bit more out of him. But at the same time, I understand that he's seeing the end in front of him. And it's the worst possible narrative that could have been written. So I feel bad for him. Um, but if you're an Iowa fan. I was yeah, just going to say, just jump not. in real quick. Toussaint was completely out of control. Um, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Well, and uh, I don't think CJ Frederick had a shot. It's like all these guys. I, and you feel bad for them because they were so talented this year. They had so many expectations. And if you're an Iowa fan, I'm not sure you're ever going to have that good of a team again. And you're looking in the mirror at this point, and it's like um, – we didn't even make a sweet 16 with their friend right here. Like I've been there as a Tennessee fan. You got Grant Williams, Schofield, only three star recruits. And it's kind of a similar concept that, that they had. And you only make a sweet 16 and you're wondering, Oh crap, it's over. You never, you never really got anything out of it. So I feel bad for him. Um, Fran McCaffrey's kind of an asshole. So maybe it's karma, but what can you I do? mean, yeah, you're not going to get another Luca Garza maybe for a long, long time. Luca Garza, an all-time college basketball player, we dubbed him Lunch Pail Luca. He would love him on this program. I was, I was about to turn into a puddle at the end when when he got subbed out. That one, that one hit hard. That was and rough. Thing I, that was rough, man. And seeing his dad too, I think his dad was trying to hold it together. Uh, there's certain players, and I mean that's going to be on one shining moment, undoubtedly, but. There's certain players where you just look at them and you're like, God, he clearly gets it. I mean, he is, he put every ounce of energy that he had. I'm glad he said it too in his post game presser. He said, and it didn't come off as selfish. It didn't come off as me, me, me. He said, I did everything I could. And he really did. And this game was a microcosm of it 36 points. He, he, he was the only thing Iowa had going. Uh, and I do feel bad also, the Nunji injury. I'm sure that came back to bite them a little bit, but they, you're right. I mean, if we circle it all back, they can't defend. Dude, they scored 80 points in a round of 32 game, and they lost by double digits. How in the world is that possible? Well, I, I know they can't defend. They were defending better towards the end of the year, and they have they all have their roles. Um, I do think there's elements of Oregon just shooting the lights out in the first half as well. I mean, Will Richardson didn't miss a shot. One of, I know he's a great shooter, but he's banking in shots. Figueroa's hitting everything. Um, Duarte didn't, only missed one shot. I know there was a lot of stuff that they could get whatever they wanted on twos, but they were, I think, 7 to 15 for threes in the first half. Um, if you tell me that's who Oregon is, well, I point you to the game against Oregon State the week before. Like it, They're not that great all the time. Um, they're definitely great, but not that great all the time. Well, Iowa scored a ton of points too because of Luca. Luca was the only guy that showed up there. But the for him, I, like you got to be able to defend players. He was an absolute liability on defense just because they could go over. They were quicker, faster. Um, 
not stronger, uh, not stronger than him, but it was tough to watch. And to go on the, the dramatic thing, it was his quote was great. Uh, it was you had a similar one with McKinley Wright and Tad Boyle last night as well, where they were embracing. And, you know, that was before they, I think they knew about the whole thing that happened in Boulder. Um, but I mean, it, it, that's March Madness for you. Yeah, agreed. So let's go ahead and move on to some other Big Ten disappointments. Illinois. Are you kidding me? Credit Loyola Chicago. A lot of people, and our boy Nadu, big man on campus, he called this, and he's rightfully two-stepping because a lot of people gave him shit for saying that Loyola Chicago not only was going to beat Illinois, but that there could be a Final Four contender. They very much look like they could be on their way to at least the Elite Eight. But Illinois, man. Ayo Desunmu, I'm sorry. And I feel bad for these kids. I do. These are the last collegiate games that they're playing. But I got to have more from you, man. Kofi Coburn was the only one that showed up. Uh, Georgie, who we love, he's their spark plug off the bench, non-existent. The Loyola Chicago defense absolutely swarmed them. And you know when they, you know how sometimes when you're watching a game and you can just tell when things, like early you can tell that this is going to be a long, long night or a tough night. It's the Illinois game and the Kansas game because those two teams – Kansas and Illinois could not score. I'm telling you, man, if if Illinois got two straight buckets, that seemed like it warranted a parade. It's it seemed like it was the most difficult thing for them was to get like five straight points. And I don't know, I don't know what the longest run of the game was for the Illini. They saved one of their worst offensive performances, certainly Dasun moves uh for the for the worst time of the year. They got eaten alive, and at no point was this game really that close. Yeah, that was ugly. Um, I would be I, – I I'm not much of an Illinois guy, um, but I would have been infuriated if I was a fan of that team just with the lack of urgency that they displayed throughout the entire game and, like, Brad Underwood just trying to do the same thing over and over and over again and just making no adjustments. I mean, it was pretty obvious that Porter Moser every single time – Illinois had the ball, whether it was Frazier or Jusumu or whoever, and there was a ball screen. Moser's just going to blitz that screen. And they couldn't figure out how to move the ball around. I don't know if that was on the players and their execution. I don't know. But that's where you got to have a coach because every single time there was a timeout, Porter Moser was dialing up a play. And I know Porter Moser, it's tough to say that a lot, but I know Moser has been successful of late, but we're not talking about, you know, Rick Patino over here. Like he's had two good Loyola teams. One went to the final four in a Cinderella run and the other one's this one. He just happens to have Nikola Jokic playing center for him this year and Cam Crutwig. So it's like, I, I would be, I can't believe that Illinois didn't speed up the game. I can't believe they didn't press them. I can't believe they didn't, you know, just let them wind the shot clock every single town and had uh Braden Norris just, you know, be a little pest and get to the free throw line or make a perfect pass. I, it, you, this is like they probably had the, the click remote controller, and if they could just rewind to the start of that game and do everything differently, that's what they want to do, just like I want to fast forward to the weekend and get through this week. Yeah, well, so when you compare them to an Iowa team, right? Iowa, we said their fans have got to be saddened because they're not going to get a guy like Luca every single four years. For Illinois, on the other hand, they – I mean, no one really thought Iowa was a title caliber team mostly because of that defense of theirs Illinois though they were one of the strongest teams getting hot at the right moment they won the big 10 tournament they had so much balance they had a really good bench awesome guard play really good coach in Underwood 
and you're you got to be just sitting there like what the hell happened i mean there was zero urgency i'm glad you you pinpointed that they looked like a team when they were down eight or something in the first half they looked like a team that was playing northwestern in december i was like guys you don't have a guaranteed game after this crank up the defense pressure did they did they press like at all i didn't see it i didn't see it did they make life hard at all for the chicago point guards nope not at all i'd I'd be curious to see how many turnovers they had and you know i would push back on the the underwood being a great coach at this point as well because um you know he had a great player in the sumo coburn's a great player as well and what did they do with it and if you look at what underwood's done in his career stephen f austin Nice little run that they had. Oh, by the way, they're sanctioned by the NCAA because they had like nobody cared about grades on that team. I don't know if Underwood left them in a pile of rubble, but that there, that's the reason why Stephen F. Austin's not in the tournament this year is because they are <laughs> just deep, deep shit with the NCAA. Then Underwood goes to Oklahoma State, does a pretty good job there and leaves after one year, which was kind of strange. I think it was about money. And then he goes to Illinois. Illinois struggling right away. And then they were good two years ago with this – really just the same roster and he comes back with this and has a dud in which play in which case his in-game management was really exposed because that was ugly uh i i, I can't when you have a coach what, what do you think is like the most simple thing to view as a fan to see that a coach makes a difference do you what, what would come to mind for you out of timeout plays or I think that's a good barometer. And real quick, you're right about Underwood. I might be reassessing or reassessing my position on him come uh, the off season. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think ATOs. I also think, uh, obviously, in game adjustments, like obvious in game adjustments. Camp Crutwig was going to get his. That's fine, but make life so much more difficult for these guys. I mean, there was just no pressure whatsoever, and that was the thing I was the so baffled by. I mean, you you're you got better athletes than these guys. They should be well-conditioned. Uh, I was just shocked by it. And then, I mean, Brad Underwood didn't do anything on the offensive end either. You got to be prepared. There's no secret Loyola Chicago's an awesome defensive team. They just didn't look prepared as well. I mean, I, he got thoroughly out in every facet or phase that you want to look at with coaching. Porter Moser took him out back, like pulled, the, pulled his shirt over him and started wailing on him. That's yep. what he did. That was a woodshed. That was a taking of the woodshed right there. And it wasn't necessarily. Yeah. I, wow. A little sharper today. Getting that, slow, it's a coming little back. sharper. It's coming back. Shed. Tempo. Temp, that's, that's quite my tempo. Splicing that not quite my tempo. Uh, not quite my tempo. It's all good. No worries. Here we go. Uh, what movie is that? Not quite my tempo. That's my tempo. The what drummer movie, movie. It's the drummer. Right, with Miles Teller. Miles Teller. Yeah. yeah. Whiplash. Uh, whiplash. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Maybe, uh, yeah, spliced it. <laughs> Splice, not quite. Yeah. Not quite. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, but yeah, Illinois, very, very disappointing. Uh, well, another- I, so I can relate while we're in the same region because I'll relate to you with another team that I felt had no urgency whatsoever, and that's in the bottom of that bracket, West Virginia. I mean, West Virginia. Derek Culver, um, maybe the worst performance I've ever seen from someone in the middle of his own. Like, goodness gracious, they were just handing it to him in the middle there. He couldn't make one shot. And then he gets frustrated and it goes, it all falls apart. And there was no urgency from West Virginia. They were just totally content to let Joe Girard and, and uh, Buddy Bayon just rip them to sh- pieces. And I'm sorry, 
I, I'm sorry. For, I mean, uh, Bobby Huggins. I honestly think you just can't look the way he looks and lead a team to the final four. I, that, that's, a, that's a weird that's a weird too take. Sloppy. You're too sloppy. Yeah. Like you're too sloppy right there. Well, you got you're turning the ball over. You got a sloppy coach. It's like, I mean, help some self-respect a little bit over there, Huggy Bear. Come on. Who, who are some of the like slobbiest looking coaches that have been to the final four? Because uh, like right now, I'm just thinking of the antithesis of that, which is Jay Wright, probably the sharpest uh, yeah, dressed Dana guy. Alton, yeah, just like sharp guys that you know win games in, in the tournament, like Huggy. Even when Huggy was winning, he was looking pretty good. Back back in the big game against Duke, but right now, who's just like ready to pack it in at that point? Like we're they're not pressing at all. They're just gonna let Gerard walk it up, and then Dolajai is gonna make the perfect pass again, and I'm gonna be sitting over here in Washington D.C. flailing on the ground as I lose a Final Four team. How also? How did they not attack Dolajai, or at least Dolajai's yeah, part of the zone? It's like Huggins. What are you doing? That's what I was thinking. I was like, I I, I think I was flipping from another game, and I was like, "How the hell is Dolajai still in?" Like, like with to go. Syracuse plays like seven guys. Dolajai is probably the most important big one that they have because he's so smart. The the games they're within two with like fourteen minutes ago. It's like it's over. It's West Virginia, and then I I, I'm watching the other. I'm watching Texas Tech, and we we should talk about that one after this. Off the rails even more, but it's like. Huggins, maybe if you looked a little sharper on the sidelines, I'd think you'd know what you're doing, but you look like a guy that's like, I can't trust this guy. I can't trust him. A couple other teams that we should quickly talk about. Ohio State. These guys are getting let off the hook because they lost early uh, on the first day, I believe it was. And obviously, like as more upsets roll in, you sort of just get fatigue and you forget but also on the flip side oral roberts is in the sweet 16 so it's not like ohio state has this standalone stench on them that's not the story anymore the story is the golden eagles because they went on to beat florida and are now i mean max Aspis, this kid and i think I'll, I'll give you credit you handicapped it you said that they're the best free throw shooting team in the country that helps them down the stretch against both of these teams uh Aspis leading leading scorer in in the country but ohio state man what a, what a gr- grotesque end of the season yeah i was personally glad I mean, that was happening so i'm not probably the perfect guy to talk to about this and that's unfortunate because i'm the only other guy on this podcast right now but that was all unfolding as tennessee was just fully collapsing and i i'm thankful that you're not asking me questions about the tennessee game because that was a tough one but yeah i mean the game against arkansas is going to be great uh, they've played already this year. Uh, Florida, you got me on Mike Mike White now. I mean, that's pretty horrible to lose that game. But Oral Roberts is their high scoring team, their high octane. The other dude, Obinar, I was watching him. He's he's. I mean, these guys don't miss. So it'll be an exciting game against Arkansas. I hope they can pull it out. But I'm glad personally. I I don't know if I told you, said it on this show, but I think it was either Wednesday night or Thursday night. When I was filling out my bracket, I was pretty convinced, like I had it all set and good to go. And then I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, I can't take Ohio State beyond the second round. And I switched it to Texas Tech, which could be a pivot point for us right now to talk about what was probably the best game of the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to allow that pivot point, though, just real quick, because I have a nice little uh, saying that I want to get off my chest. Handicapping the tournament and picking brackets. Remember the two OSUs. This is what I want you to remember because it's such a goddamn crapshoot. Ohio State 
gets all the way to the Big Ten final. Probably should have beat Illinois, if we're being honest, but they didn't. Regardless, they got super hot towards the end of the season, especially in the, the Big Ten tournament. Lose first game. Oregon State, super hot towards the end. Really just in their conference tournaments. Wins the Pac-12 tournament. Now they're in the Sweet 16. So what do you do? What do you do if you're picking? Do you say to yourself, I'm going to take the hot team to go to the Sweet 16? Or do you say, I'm going to have the hot team lose abruptly in the first round? What the hell do you do? Because it's the OSU case. That's what, I, that's what I'm going to be thinking about. Whenever someone says, uh, you know, picking brackets, yada, yada, I'm just going to be like, at the end of the day, no matter how much research you do and all this good stuff, remember the two OSUs and the trajectory. Can I throw one more wrinkle in there? And this is your bit, so I'm going to let you take and run with it. You don't have to take it um, if you don't want it. But I got another OSU for you, the one with the best player in the country, Oklahoma State, where they go down in the second round as well. So it does. you're totally right. It doesn't matter how you research it, whether you got the best player, the hottest team, or the worst team collectively throughout the season. They can go in three different directions right there. I'm sitting here watching – Pepperdine, 11.30 p.m. tips in, in December, now sitting in the gutter of a bracket. It, it gets, it, it, not to belabor the point, but that's where I'm at, really. Texas Tech, though. Okay, so I want to introduce this tourney-specific segment. It's called Apologies and Apologize. Basically, where I apologize to teams, and on the flip side, where teams I should be demanding an apology from. Texas Tech actually might be on that list. I didn't have them in my notes, but Tech, yes, best game of the year against Arkansas. Wild finish. Good for Musselman getting to the Sweet 16, but Tech missed two layup bunnies basically to win the game, and then Mac McClung, 80% free throw shooter, misses the front end of a one-on-one. I'm over here just head in my palm. You want to talk about burying me at Wounded Knee? That was a burial. Yeah, and what made it worse was like, Texas Tech was down, I think, 13 with eight minutes left, too. Absolutely storming back. The atmosphere in that place was great. Two teams that were really felt like they were about to go on a run. I mean, Chris Beard was saying a whole bunch about how he expected the Final Four. Musselman's a maniac on the sidelines. And, you know, just a great vibe and great energy in there. Bob Huggins probably could have taken a few notes with respect to uh, coaching his team up against Syracuse, just as a side note right there. But Tech storms all the way back. They kept uh, – Arkansas is just taking horrible shots, missing tough shots. Uh, Note misses the free throw. Everything, no, excuse me, McClung missed the free throw. I don't know why, how I could possibly screw that up right there. And what, a situation where it was like a Note might have fouled him. That's what I was thinking right there. Um, but it was a soft foul. It's like, oh my gosh, Tech's going to win right here. It was a one and one, which I don't know how it was a one and one at that point in the game, less than one minute when you're playing that physical. Good defense. And then who missed the final layup? Was it Shannon? Yeah, no, it's it, Kyler. No, it's Kyler Edwards. Shannon missed the one right before that. It was like a perfect design by Beard. They got they got the back cut right there. He's right there. Just has to lay it in. Bricks it. Gets the ball back. Uh, Beard did the right thing too, in my opinion. He had two timeouts, but yeah, you, you call a timeout. You stunt the momentum. He gets a perfect look. You're not never going to get a better look than that at the layup at, for a layup right there. And sure enough, call it. How about Muscleman just going crazy with the with the kids too? I mean, that's his MO. Yeah. That's him. That's it's very on brand brand for uh for muscleman, but tech man, what a heartbreaker. Cause I I genuinely thought that if they got past Arkansas, they were pl- they were playing incredibly well. Uh obviously Arkansas took them down. Who so I'm I will demand an apology from tech. 
We talked about Illinois. They're the biggest ones. I'm still, I might tweet at them. I might say, just say sorry. Please say sorry. Uh, West Virginia, we talked about. Yes, they, they owe us an apology. I also want an apology from St. Bonaventure. Maybe that's on me, but St. Bonaventure, man, smoked by LSU. Not even close. And I have them in the Sweet 16. Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of America was um, finally exposed to LSU and how talented they are. I mean, that's who LSU's been all year when they're clicking. That they got those four guys that can probably play all all of them can play in the NBA. Uh, they're all going to go next year too, so I'm not sure how good they're going to be. Hopefully, Will Wade's able to open up, uh, you know, find a new bank account to contribute to the next crop coming in. But hey, real quick on Will Wade, by the way, if we're talking about aesthetic and looking looking good for coaches, Will Wade. As the worst posture. Well, how'd you find out? Of, how'd you yeah, find out? Via you. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. But he's tack, got the, he's got the worst. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no, I, his, his legs are like inverted. I mean, his, his stomach, it looks like he's, he's got like a tire around his stuff. He just looks terrible. It looks like he looks like a schlub. Yeah, he does. Um, I, it's the, it's the body of a, uh, a, <laughs> a perennial team manager, right? I mean, that's how, that's how you got to start. He never played anywhere. He was a team manager when I forget where he went to school, but that's how you got to start. And he came up, went to BCU for a little bit. Yeah. Yes. Work out the posture in the off season for me there. Um, who, who are some teams that you want apologies from? Uh, got Tennessee, West Virginia. Who else? Anyone else? Uh, I mean, I hit my big ones. We talked uh, West Virginia, Infuri- the West Virginia followed by the McClung miss. That was a dark moment for me on Sunday, but we got back in terms of that. I mean, I, Tennessee, what can you do? It's, you know, there's a lot of talk about is Barnes, the guy um, does Barnes need to be on the hot seat. And I was, I'll be honest with you, father. I was saying the heat of the moment after the game on Friday, I'm thinking like, we're just going to lose in the first round of the tournament or the second round of the tournament every single year. And then, you know, you, you sleep on it a little bit. You take a step back. You think, okay, we got a probably the best point guard in the nation coming to us next year. We might get another five-star coming back. Fulkerson may be back. Uh, we'll be good next year, and we'll probably make the tournament. And then you're thinking, isn't that what this is all about? Just, like, to get that lucky break, that 7 or 10 seed, you're Florida, you get to play a 15 in the second round. You just get the opportunities. That's what all you can do as a coach because you never know what's going to happen. Tennessee and Barnes, I'm sure you're going to push back on me a little bit here, but they've been kind of hurt in the tournament, unlucky in the tournament over the past three years of his runs. I mean, they ran into Sister Jean. They lost to them on a buzzer beater in the second round of the tournament. All right, Clayton Custer, whatever his name was, hit a buzzer beater that hit every corner of the rim before it fell in. That was the first run at Grantland. They literally touched. Go look at that replay. It hit every piece of the rim. To Custer. Here comes the player of the year. The MPC rises. No timeouts for Tennessee. Bone rises. And the dream is alive. Loyola rambling on to the Sweet 16. Bounced up, back rim, you know, then it wiggled around. Still don't know how it went in. The following year, the following run is Carson Edwards getting fouled in the corner. Um, Lamonte Turner, they called him on just such a cheap foul. And Ryan Klein, the seven threes. And 
Yikes. Um, and then you got this year where I guess it's not really bad luck. They just beat the shit out of us. So they kind of took me out to pasture early in the first half, but it's just, you have all this talent on your team and <laughs> I don't, there's really no excuse for it. You just missed everything we shot. Yeah. I mean, he's another but, guy. Hey, at the same time, it's forget. Like, yeah. Oregon state, they're kind of on a magical, they could end up in the final four at this point. They're playing Loyola. You can win that game and then you go play someone else. So it's like, maybe you run into another one and it wasn't as bad of a performance as I thought it was, but it's hard right now. And really when you're a program like Tennessee, we're not a top five program. You're not, you're not elite. You're not even in the Titch top 50. You know, you, you, you just, I don't want to turn into, Georgia, right? Where it's like Tom Crean is just begging to get into the tournament. I want to turn into, um, you know, Vanderbilt or just some other normal program. I want to be consistently in there just so one day we'll catch a run. I think it is very important when analyzing and looking at coaches, you got to look at the program expectations. I think it's all based on that, right? Uh, We've talked ad nauseum about Sean Miller, and obviously we saw what happened with his brother Archie at Indiana. But yeah, I think I mean I I think Rick Barnes is pretty much meeting expectations there at Tennessee. At some point, he's going to have to break through, uh, and he's he's shown that he can get the balls there. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens in the future there uh, with Barnes. Here are some teams I want to apologize to. So accountability, taking ownership. Hand up. I apologize to the University of Michigan. Hand up. I apologize to Villanova. I kind of discounted them after they lost two starters for both of their teams. And they look really good the first two rounds, and they find themselves in the Sweet 16. So hand up, uh, I shouldn't have discounted Michigan, should not have discounted Villanova. In addition to them, USC. I know you always get on me about flip-flopping and being a top 25 guy. These are all your guys, whatever. USC, I was very bullish on. I said they were the best team in the Pac-12. I thought they were going to win the regular season conference, which they came close to doing. And then I said, ah, I'm going to go with Kansas over them. So I'm not really going to demand an apology from Kansas because USC was just clearly better. And I knew I was kind of going out on a limb with, with the Jayhawks. I thought they were playing well at the right time. Uh, but I apologize to USC. I probably should have stayed on that bandwagon. So Michigan, Nova, USC, sincere apologies. Yeah, I mean, Nova – they haven't really beaten anyone just yet. So it's like, let's see how they do against Baylor. Um, they got, they got fortunate with getting to be able to play a 12 seed that hadn't been tested all year. And they got to play North Texas who kind of had to make a late run to get to the sweet 16. So we'll see how they did. Then they're shooting the three better. I'll give them credit there, but let's see how they do against Baylor. who looks great. Um, if I'm apologizing to a team, I kind of expected Michigan to be tough. It's Michigan, so I don't, I'm not going to throw them an apology. They're they're where I would expect them to be. Um, Wait, so where did you did you have them in the Sweet Sixteen? I got, yeah, I, I got Florida State beat them next round. I, my bracket, I'm done if Florida State goes down. I mean, I I need. I, I think I win if Florida State gets Final Four, and then it's Gonzaga Baylor in the finals, and Baylor wins. But I mean, you got to got to thread a needle right there to get there. Uh, but yeah, if I'm apologizing to a team, I guess I would say Arkansas just because I never – I think there's something to be said, and Alabama kind of proves this as well. When you just play extremely hard and chaotic and are up and down the court, you're going to – you can withstand runs and you can get yourself into back into any single game. And both those teams play that way. Alabama is kind of great with the way they shoot the ball right now. They can go cold, so that that can still happen. But um, 
they both are very active and energetic and their coaches do a great job of getting them to play hard, which matters a lot. Or otherwise you just run into a lazy game where it's not going to matter. You can see that in, when Arkansas was playing Colgate and Colgate was hitting everything in the gym, like they're up what 14 in the first half. And then it was like a switch went off where Arkansas was just going crazy. So that's what I don't understand. And I'll give Musselman a ton of credit for being someone that knows how to tap into his players and what he did in that game to get them playing that hard without fouling to, you know, feed off each other, the energy. It's like 11, it's noon in Indiana at that point. So they're probably not hyped for that game either. I give him a lot of credit. So I, I you know, Musselman disappointing at, at the end with Nevada, but found a way to get it done here. Another team that some people have been like, Hey, Titch guys, you got to give credit to Creighton yet. No, I still think that they're very soft. I had them in the sweet 16, but yeah, that was a very trendy pick, UCSB over Creighton. Uh, but Creighton ended ended up winning that game. And then who did they play? Uh, the, was it yesterday? Or two? Sorry, two days ago, three days ago. Who was their round of thirty two matchup? Creighton. What team? I, I was looking at my Creighton. phone. <laughs> sorry, but Santa Barbara. That was a great game. No, who was round of thirty two though? Oh, Gonzaga. Or who no. did they just play? Ohio. Yeah, Jesus Christ! What are you saying? Wait. Round of thirty? Why didn't you just say who did they play on? Who they play on Sunday? Yeah, I, I did, and you said I was looking at my phone. And that's no, I, I was looking at my phone. I wasn't. I didn't. Wasn't aware of what team you were talking about. I was looking at my phone. I was checking an email. Regardless, right. not going to apologize to Creighton. I think you gonna, I think I think they look good. I think Creighton looks good. They're playing hard too. They're one of those teams that McDermott's getting them to play hard. I think they're going to get rolled by Gonzaga, but Zagorowski has been great. Gonzaga Zagorowski. We got a, we got a lot to to parse there. All right, let's go ahead and just finish it up now with some hugs. Do you have any hugs or do you just want to rip the headset off and get the hell no, out of here? Just get, get me through this. Get me two melatonins and knock me out and hopefully I wake up on Friday. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to actually give a hug to our missing co-host here, Taylor. Taylor, with a lovely gesture, a very nice gesture, sending me uh, a bottle of bourbon and a hat, a John Rothstein hat that says we sleep in May. Look, let me tell you something though, real quick about Rothstein. I don't know if I'm I'm loving John Rothstein so much. He our, our buddy got a cameo for us. He didn't even personalize it. It was a pretty terrible cameo. And then I've I've tweeted him this hat and, and the bourbon. And I say, What do you think about this? Crickets. How about a little respect here, John Rothstein, for the titch guys? But I digress. Thank you very much to Taylor. Hug for you uh, for getting me this bourbon. We want to thank you for listening. Uh, we'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. Enjoy the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Uh, we'll see you next time.
your head. 